Welcome to the Faith for All podcast. This week, we will be listening to a sermon from Pastor Dana O'Brien's sermon series about the Sermon on the Mount. This sermon series was originally given between August and November 2023. We hope this sermon is both meaningful and educational for you. All right, everyone here, please be seated. But before you are seated, feel free to go and grab one of those Bibles from the center rack. You know, we were, we, we were 10 minutes late, so I had plenty of time to tell you all this, but of course, I didn't think of it till just now. Again, everything you need is gonna be on your screen, but we're using different versions and I'm, I'm jumping around, so it, it'd be kind of cool for you to look and see how all this stuff shows up in the Sermon on the Mount. If you have the red book, we're gonna be working between pages 1505 and 1509. If you have some other book, you're on your own. Matthew, Matthew 5 through 7, which is where we've been for the last two months. Okay, if you are at home, grab a Bible, any Bible. We're gonna be again, Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapters five through seven. And we're gonna be talking, at least starting out with exactly what our, our band was singing about today, about how we as Christians, we as the church have that hope tucked away in us, but often people can't see the hope because we're too busy judging them. We're too busy pointing out things about them that we think um, that we don't like. And, and, and that's all we see, that's all we see. So. All right, um, we are now, as I said before, in our second last week of our sermon series on Jesus' most famous teaching, his Sermon on the Mount. And I'm betting, I'm betting that, that most of the sayings that we look at today are going to be familiar to many of you, okay? Um, if you're online, feel free to put a hand up or say yes in the chat, and otherwise just raise your hand or yell out. Um, who's, who knows, who's familiar with the Jesus command to, to not judge? Judge not, or don't judge, you know. Okay, what about ask and it will be given to you? Okay, come on, I'm guessing you people are just, you know, you're just quiet and shy, okay? And then there's the golden rule. Everybody should know this one, right? Do unto others as you'd have, as you have them do unto you. Okay, Jeff is jumping up in the back. That's good. Okay, so we, so we know them. At least some of us know some of them, okay? But I'm also betting that 20 minutes from now, all of us are going to look at them a little differently than we do now, okay? So first, to take us back to where we are so we remember what we've looked at, in the, it's the beginning of Jesus' ministry, and he's all about inaugurating God's kingdom here on earth. So what he's doing is he's gathering up this group of people that will follow him. And he's teaching them and us how to live the radical values of God's kingdom in today's world. And we know that the radical values of God's kingdom are so very, very, very different from the way the kingdoms of the world operate, which means for each of us, so very, very, very different from the way that we sometimes live and the way the people around us live and the way that they want us to live, okay? So God's kingdom, we know this, God's kingdom is where we live in ways that honor and respect the image of God in all people, right? God's kingdom is where we work to enact God's will rather than our own. It's where love of God and neighbor, including enemies, um, guides our actions. And as we learned last week, it's where we are free from worry because we trust that God has our backs and wants to take care of us, okay? And we've seen, we've seen that Jesus is all about not simply changing our behavior. And this is really, really key. It's not just simply about changing our behavior to do things differently. It's about transforming 
who we are, transforming our inner natures, transforming our very hearts. Jesus wants to empower us to become more of the people that God originally made us to be, more human as, as God created us to be. So that living like Jesus lives becomes a natural expression of who we are. A couple weeks ago, we talked about driving, how we, we drive, we just do things. After you've been driving for a while, you just know to flip on your, flip on your turn signal when you're turning. You don't think about any of this. Jesus wants us to live God's kingdom values out in that kind of way as a natural expression of who we are, okay? So today, we start at the beginning of chapter 7, I think that's 1509 in the Red Books, with Jesus' command not to judge, okay? And I'm going to use, if you've got your Bibles, I'm going to be using a different translation because the one I'm using gets at the heart of what Jesus is prohibiting, okay? Do not judge and criticize and condemn. Do not judge and criticize and condemn so that you will not be judged and criticized and condemned. For just as you judge and criticize and condemn others, so you will be judged and criticized and condemned in accordance with your standard of measure, measurement, judgment will be measured to you. And so two really important words were added to the, to the books that, that many of us have. They added criticized and condemned. And that's the kind of judgment that Jesus is talking about here. Because you guys, you know this. We make judgments all the time, really essential judgments that we have to make, you know, about, about what food we're going to eat, how we're going to spend our free time, where we're going to go on vacation. They make judgments all the time. And most of those are fine, right? We're these are the, the good kind of judgments, neutral ones, where we're, we're judging involves evaluating our options after considering um, dif different options, right? Different, different evidence. Jesus isn't concerned about that one. That's number one or two. He's concerned about the third one, to form a negative opinion about somebody. He's concerned with the judging that criticizes and condemns, right? That, that, that belittles others. The judging, the judging that is often done with little or no information, just as they were singing about, and often concerns somebody that we don't know. We may not know them at all, or we may know them only a little bit, except the one thing we know about them, the behavior that we don't like, the behavior that we're judging, okay? And just like, just like the neutral, evaluating type of judgments that we make all the time, so too we make these negative judgments about others a heck of a lot more than, than we may realize. And I love this slide because if you don't think that you are a judgmental person, ask yourself how you feel about people that you think are judgmental, okay? And right, right then, I'll bet most of you will say, oh shoot, oh shoot, am I judging them? I really don't know anything about them other than the fact that I think they're judgmental, right? It was, that was that last slide. So we've, we've all done it, right? And, and, and so I'm gonna use this example because I can use this example for every single thing we do wrong and everybody identifies it, okay? And you can tell because it's already on the slide. Somebody parks their car where they shouldn't, somebody cuts you off in traffic and you immediately judge them. At best, at best, they are a jerk. At worst, they are a word or words that I cannot say, right? You guys, it's what we do. We don't know anything about these people other than the fact that they cut us off and so we assume we assume that they've got to be a jerk, that they've got to be a, a not nice person, okay, right? We see some behavior, some other, other negative thing about a person that we don't like, and then we make a whole bunch of assumptions about their character, about, about who that person is. We assume that we know them. We assume that we know why they're doing whatever it is they're doing, right? They're doing it for some bad reason. And we define them. We define them and we judge them solely by the behavior that we don't like. And quite naturally, Jesus condemns this practice because it's really bad. It's really bad. And if, if this is how you judge, Jesus says, right? If you, if you judge in this, this arrogant, condemning way, 
Jesus, then that's how you're inviting, that's how you're inviting people to judge you. That's how you're inviting God to judge you and people we know that this is not a good thing. The person judged never comes out ahead on this one, okay? And we have to go back to this. Remember, Jesus is about transforming our hearts here. He's about transforming our hearts. So what he's, what he's really telling us is that by failing to recognize someone else's humanity and dignity, we are actually losing our own, okay? By failing to treat somebody else with respect and dignity, we've lost our own dignity, right? We are less than who God made us to be when we judge others and fail to recognize the image of God in them. And we talked about this. We talked about this a number of weeks ago, and it keeps coming back because by now Jesus at the end of the sermon is building on the stuff that he's talked about over and over again. So remember we looked at seeing the worth and dignity of all people way back in week two or three when we talked about Jesus' concerns over anger and lust. And once again, Jesus is digging deep. He's digging deep to look at what's behind, what's below the surface of what we do, and reminding us how important it is to see others just as God sees them, okay? Jesus also knows this, that we live in a world of comparison, okay? Where, where my worth is somehow inversely related to the worth of others. So that, that my value goes up, at least in my own eyes, when everybody else's value goes down, right? That's, and that's the way it works. And so in this world, every time I judge others, every time I put them down, I feel just a little bit better about myself, right? And it's, it's, it's sick, but it's the way it works. We already know. We already know that that's not how things work in God's kingdom, right? Remember, remember the first thing Jesus did, and you were probably wondering why I kept, I kept reminding you of it over and over and over again. The thing he did at the very beginning of the sermon, he talked about identity. He talked about, he told us who we are. He said, you are blessed, he said. You are salt and light, he said. You are precious and loved by your heavenly Father who knows what you need and will take care of it. And here's the thing. When we know who we are, when we are secure in God's love and confident of our worth and acceptance in God's eyes, we don't need, we don't need to put others down to feel good about ourselves, okay? Instead, we know who we are. We know we're loved. We know we're valued. So we can turn out, turn around to others and we can lift them up because we can, we can be free to recognize that they too are God's beloved children. And then Jesus goes on to provide a humorous analogy to show us just how hypocritical our judgment of others can be. And we all know that sometimes humor is the best way to help people confront um, unpleasant things about themselves. They, they won't see it if you're serious, but if you can get them to laugh about it, they, all of a sudden they get, yeah, I guess, I guess that's true. That's, that's true. Okay, here's this guy who notices a speck in someone else's eye, right? Well, at the same time, he is completely unaware of that he's walking around with this huge plank sticking out of his own eye. Huge plank, okay? And, and Jesus tells the stories, and you've got to imagine people laughing at this, because Jesus is a funny guy, all right? He could go on a speaking tour if he wanted. Oh, wait, he has. Okay, anyway... <laughs> So, so think about this, you guys. I've got this, I've got this ginormous piece of wood sticking out of my eye, right? Large enough so that when I turn on my head, people have to jump out of the way so they don't get hit with it, right? And so it's gotta be, it's gotta be really hard for me to see anything else clearly. But yet here I am, here I am, absolutely certain that I can see a speck, a little, a little piece of sawdust in my neighbor's eye, right? What is this? 
What is this but, but supreme arrogance toward others, right? Coupled with a, a, complete, a complete lack of self-awareness of my own failings, right? So, so Jesus says, before, before I can possibly before I can possibly say anything to my speckled-eyed neighbor, I need to examine myself first, right? I need to deal with my own issues. I, I need to see this giant plank sticking out of my eye and, and address it. Only after, only after I deal with my own stuff will I be able to see clearly enough to address my neighbor's speck, okay? And, and, and the reason we need to address our own stuff, well, to, to avoid being hypocritical, but because when we address our own stuff first, it means that we're going to approach our neighbor differently, okay? Hopefully, once we've, once we've dealt with our own huge planks, we're going to approach our neighbor and his speck with a lot more mercy, right? With a lot more humility. We might, we might even realize that we don't know the whole story and we can't really make assumptions about his motives. And, and hopefully, it will even hit us that, that people are really complicated, right? They're really complex. And it's just possible that maybe I've oversimplified things. So maybe I need to stop and listen before I do or say anything at all, right? That's what happens when we, when we realize we've got planks in our own eyes before we deal with the specks in other people's eyes. Yeah, we still need to have conversations about planks and specks. We still need to hold ourselves accountable and we need to hold others accountable, but we do that differently. We do that with an air, not with an air of superiority or arrogance. We do it with humility. We do it with love. We do it with a servant's heart, okay? So next, Jesus pivots to focus on prayer and our relationship with God. We're now on uh, 6 through 11. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you for everyone who asks receives the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be open. Now, Jesus has just finished talking about our relationship with others, and now he pivots back to our relationship with God, something, something he's already discussed, something we've spent a fair amount of time on the last couple weeks, first with the Lord's Prayer, and then last week with our freedom from worry. So, just two quick things about it. First, Jesus is not saying that prayer is like a genie in a bottle, right? Don't think, don't think that you can ask for anything you want and you're going to get it. And I bet most of us have tried this on more than one part of our lives and we found it doesn't work. We found it doesn't work. We do not get everything we ask for. And, and, this, is, and, and this happens even when, even when what we're asking for seems like a really good thing, seems like it's beneficial, maybe not just for us but for others, even when we're really asking for good things. And, and we all know that prayer and unanswered prayer or misanswered prayers or are, are a lot more complicated than, than I can address here. And so we actually have a, we talked about this a couple years ago uh, for weeks and weeks. And so it's on our podcast. And so if you really want to look at prayer in a lot more detail, I would urge you to go to the podcast on the number one we have on prayers. But, but for this, for, for today, remember that Jesus had just, has just given us a model prayer, right? And, and what do we pray in that prayer? We pray for God's will to be done, not ours. We're telling God in that prayer that, that we know we're not going to get everything we ask for. We know we're not going to get everything we want. Think about Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. Even he didn't get everything he wanted. And as our wills become closer to God's will, the things we pray for are the things that God wills and God's going to want to give us. Okay. Second, Jesus' comments about asking and seeking and knocking 
Again, take us back to the intimate relationship that God wants with each of us. Remember last week I mentioned that in this short three chapters of Matthew's Gospel, 28 chapters in total, three short chapters, 16 times, okay, Jesus mentions God, describes God as Father, okay? 16 times, 42 times in the entire book, 16 times in these few, few chapters. Here again, Jesus speaks about God as our Father and remind, reminds us how much God loves us and God cares for us. He says, you parents, and this is again where the, my reading is a little different than yours. Um, you parents, if your child asks for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or, or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not, of course not. So if you sinful people know how to good give, give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? How much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? But here's the thing, okay? And, and we all know this, if you're a parent, or a grandparent, or an aunt, or an uncle, or any adult that has ever in your life dealt with little kids, you know this. Little kids ask for things all the time. In fact, that's pretty much all little kids do. They come and they ask for things, right? And no matter how much you want to give them everything you ask for, because you love them, no matter how much, you know you can't. You know you can't. Because not everything they ask for is good for them. Right? They may ask for hot chocolate 17 times a day. And you may give it to them the first couple times, but at some point in time, hot chocolate is not good for anybody, right? Some of it might be downright bad for them. And it's your job, that's your job, as the adult who loves them to make those judgments about what's good and what's bad and what they can have and what they can't have. And that's the good type of judgment, discerning the judgment that we're supposed to make, right? And it is entirely, it is precisely because you love them, right? That's why you say no. That's why you say not yet. That's why you say, how about something else, right? And Jesus reminds us that our heavenly father loves us so much more than our earthly parents and knows what we need and knows what we don't need and gives to us accordingly. But one more point, what's the most important thing in building and sustaining loving relationships? Who knows, call it. Yes, it's communication. God, God wants us to ask, God wants us to pray, God wants to hear from us just like any parent wants to communicate with the child they love, okay? Just like any parent. So ask and knock and seek, and God will be there to listen, okay? Finally, we get to the golden rule. So in everything, do unto others what, would you, what you would have them do unto you, okay? For this sums up the law and the prophets. And again, this is, the this is a phrase that most of us are familiar with in one permutation or another, okay? Um, and, but I'm guessing that many of us who have thought about it don't have a clue as to how radical, how challenging it is to actually live this way. So there are a number of rules that people live by, and I'm starting from the easiest, moving on up. Well, there's probably one easier, but anyway. Um, there's the way that much of the world commonly lives. Do unto others as they do unto you. Do unto others as they do unto you, and that seems fairly reasonable, right? Be nice to people who are nice to you, and if someone treats you poorly, then treat them the same way. Treat them poorly, in which case sometimes the rule is changed to do unto others before they do unto you, right? Don't wait for them to treat you poorly, get them first. Then there's what's sometimes called the silver rule, okay? Don't do unto others that what you don't want others to do unto you, and this is a famous rule shared by lots of, of wise people like Confucius up there. Um, 
don't do unto others what you don't want them to do unto you. And sometimes you'll hear it phrased as, if you can't take it, don't dish it, right? Okay, this rule operates um, on a negative. It's a, it's a rule of self-preservation. For example, don't hit someone if you don't want to be hit back, okay? If you can't take it, don't dish it, okay? Jesus takes this rule to the nth degree, and he turns what's a, into, what's a negative rule into one that calls for positive action, which is what Jesus does with lots of the commandments, right? Do not kill turns into love your neighbor as yourself, okay? It's absolute, in absolutely, absolutely everything you do, okay, with absolutely everyone you meet, treat them how you want to be treated, okay? Jesus is speaking to that deep desire in all of us to be loved, to be respected, that, that longing to be heard and treated with patience and compassion and grace. These are universal human desires. And when we treat people the way we want to be treated, we are treating them exactly the way God treats us. Because we know that God brings the rain and the sun on the good and evil. We know that God treats even God's enemies with love and mercy. And of course, that's why we're called to do the same, because that's how God treats us. And yes, living out the golden rule means that we're polite and kind to others. That's the common way we think of it. But like the command to love our enemies, the rule applies across the board, okay? We must also treat others with respect and love even when they are not nice to us, even when they treat us poorly, even when they treat us horribly, even when they hate us and wish we are dead and gone, okay? We treat them all like we want to be treated, which means with love and respect and kindness and grace and mercy. How different... How different would our lives look if we started treating everyone this way? More importantly, how different would our world look if we all, everybody, started treating everyone this way? We wouldn't be looking at lots of the headlines that we're looking at right now, would we? And again, that, that goes to show you how drastically different Jesus' rules, Jesus' values, the kingdom values are from the way the world operates, okay? Compare what I just said to, how, to what you look at when you see the news, okay? Entirely different rules and values that people are living by. And so it's hard. It's hard to live by Jesus' values, by the kingdom values, when everybody else is living differently. Now, with this rule, this, this is kind of cool, geeky for us geeky people. Now, with this golden rule, Jesus brings to a close the major part of this Sermon on the Mount, okay? He's, he's not done yet. We've got one more day to look at the last 13 or 14 verses. We're going to finish up next week. But, but did you notice, Jesus says that when we treat others the way we want to be treated, we are fulfilling the law and the prophets, okay? Now, you may remember, or you may not, um, a number of weeks ago, like second or third week on this, we looked at um, law and prophets. And, and Jesus said that he was fulfilling the law and the prophets. It was the last time he talked about it back in Matthew 5, 17. And he tells us that he has come to fulfill the law and the prophets, not to, not to uh, get rid of them. Well, it turns out that this command about treating others like we want to be treated, it's a one-sentence summary of all that Jesus has sen said since verse 517, okay? It's a one-sentence summary, okay? It's how we deal with murder and anger and lust. It's how we avoid retaliation and love of enemies. It's how we authentically practice piety. piety. It's how we avoid judging others. It's how we pray and make God king, God's kingdom 
our first priority. You want a one-sentence summary of how to live in God's kingdom? You want a one-sentence summary of like the, the, two most, the two most obvious commands, love God and love each other? This is it. This is it. In all things, with all people, treat others just like you want to be treated. And when, when we do that, when we treat others how we want to be treated, which of course is exactly how God treats us, then we live out God's kingdom values in a way that is more righteous than even the religious leaders of their time. Then we live out the mature Christian kingdom values that Jesus told us to live out way, way back in the beginning of chapter 5. And that's when we truly live as Jesus' disciples in the world. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and that you're able to bring some of these concepts into your life. Come back next week for another episode of Faith for All. Faith for All was created by Cross of Glory Church. If you'd like more information on Cross of Glory, please visit our webpage at crossofglory.com where you can learn more about the church, see our upcoming events, and watch previous services and sermons. You can also find us on Facebook and YouTube. Everyone, and we do mean everyone, is welcome to join us at 9.30 a.m. each Sunday morning for worship on our website, Facebook, YouTube, or in person at 14719 West 163rd Street, Homer Glen, Illinois. If you enjoyed this podcast, please tell your friends, family, and anyone else you can think of about it. Faith for All is available on Podbean, Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, or wherever else you find podcasts. Todd Mazera created our original music, John Uzardo engineered the sound, Jeff Wanderson handled the production duties, and I'm your friend and humble announcer, Andrew Morin. Thank you for joining us.